Uh, for those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet, first of all, I'm glad you're here, and my name is John. Um, and if you came last week for the first time, you know, I was doing music, but Jeremy preached for us and did such a great job, and it's so good to have other people in our church that can preach and speak. Um, he was doing that because, well, he, he does it from time to time, but also I had the opportunity to go out of town last week on one of our retreats for pastors who are struggling, and so it's a great ministry that I get to be a part of and that you help support as well. So thank you for that. Um, and he did such a good job last week continuing our series, Solid Ground, where we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he talked about uh, not being a hypocrite, which can be a, a hard thing to do. It's hard to do that and not sound sort of judgmental because I think that even when you're speaking or sharing about that, you realize that in some ways you're a hypocrite too. So it's hard, it's hard to get up and tell people that they shouldn't be a hypocrite when you feel like one yourself at times, but that is what we're doing. We are growing all of us together, and so we all have things that we're, we're really nailing and things we're not nailing so much. And so uh, Jeremy did a great job last week as he talked about uh, uh, charitable deeds, doing good. He talked about fasting. He talked about praying and how Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says that we shouldn't be doing those things to gain attention for ourselves, that we shouldn't be doing them in public for people to see. And that is a really hard thing. <laughs> it is really hard. It, well, actually, I should let me take that back. It's easier to see it in other people <laughs> than it is to see it in ourselves. It's easy to look at other people and what they're doing and be like, oh, well, they're just doing that for themselves. They're not really doing that for God. That's for their own glory. It's not for his. Uh, it's harder to self-assess because I find oftentimes for me that it feels like a mixture of both, <laughs> that, that it's hard. It's like, it's like a, that episode of Friends where Phoebe goes about trying to find a truly selfless deed, and she can't find one because at the very least what she does makes her feel good about herself. She's trying to find something truly selfless and can't. Because it's, like, it's always a little bit of blend, and it's like, what, what do we do? Do we, just, do we not pray in public? Do we not let anyone know that we're fasting? Do we not let anybody know what we're doing? Well, not exactly. It's not a matter of what we're doing as much as it's a matter of why we're doing it. And the reality is what Jeremy talked about last week is that spiritual, truly spiritual people don't do spiritual things to gain attention for themselves. We don't do spiritual things to gain attention for ourselves. There's a real temptation to do that. Real temptation. It is like built within us to lift ourselves up and put ourselves on a pedestal. And so we have to be very careful about that particularly hard when you have some sort of platform, you know, people know you're a Christian, or like we talk about this with the band, you know, where the band's on stage and singing, or maybe it's your, you're asked to speak, to pray in public somewhere, whether that's at work or at a gathering or something. It is really tempting to use that platform to impress people and to try to impress people with what you're doing. And we need to check our motivations on that. And in church, when we're doing these spiritual things, you know, sometimes recognition does come along with that. If you're, if you're doing something good in the community, you're doing something for people in the name of Jesus and out of love, sometimes there's a tension that comes because of that. So, you know, what do you do with that? How do you filter through it? We have to make sure that our motivations are pure and correct. Um, kind of seeing this, we're in, a, we're in a, a church culture right now where with the, with the nature of media and the immediacy of media, we can see what's happening with churches and Christians across the globe in an instant. And so we're inundated with all of these people that have platforms, religious platforms, and we're going through oftentimes just assessing their motivations and things. Like right now, it's a, there's a big 
there's a big uh, kind of hoopla is the only word I can think of to do a do uh, surrounding one of the biggest churches in the world, Hillsong Church. And it's really sad to see what's happening with the church. And so, you know, I don't want any of this to sound judgmental or anything. We did, I think we're doing two Hillsong songs today in our service, okay? So we don't throw babies out with bathwater. But as you look at the, the ministry that's happening in that church, super influential. They're based out of Australia, um, but they have, I think, 16 or had 16 campuses in the United States in a lot of major cities. Um, and they've had just kind of situation after situation where leaders in the church have flamed out, have made terrible mistakes. They've come to the surface. They've been removed from their positions. Their lead pastor just resigned a couple of, couple of weeks. The founding pastor of Hillsong resigned just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's a, right now, it's, I mean, it, it looks like the church is like falling apart. There's a documentary that just came out on uh, Discovery Plus. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if I will because it feels like kind of trampling on someone's grave, you know. So, but, but the documentary just came out, and so now a lot of people are talking about it. And my understanding is that nine out of the 16 campuses in the United States have now left Hillsong altogether and are establishing themselves as their, their own churches, for better or for worse. And so you see something like that. And first of all, our heart should break when we see something like that. Not to judge or cast stones or anything like that um, or to make assumptions or any of that. But our heart should break because a church that has such a big platform is crumbling at the seams, it looks like. And that is going to impact people's walk with Jesus. Okay, And so it should break our heart. We never want to see it. We don't want to see it anywhere. But, uh, but what I think what we're seeing with that and with a lot of other situations and many other churches that could, could be named that are going through similar things, is that the arena of religion or the Christian culture can easily draw us into self-importance and celebrity and self-glory. The church creates a platform for us in the world, and that can be used for tremendous good or it can be used for our own good. And we have to be very careful about that. Whatever platform it is that you may have, it's not a problem with having one because there have been, there have been people in history that have had tremendous platforms to the world and have handled it extremely well and been extremely faithful and pointed all the honor and glory to God. All right, And you can probably think of a few and name a few. So it's not a problem with having the platform. The problem is, is when the platform is created, who are we putting on it? Are we putting ourselves on it or are we putting God on it? And it can be easy sometimes to put ourselves on it and veil that in spirituality. Say, oh, this is all for the Lord. When really in our heart, and we're the only one that can know this, in our heart, it's about us. And so we have to self-assess. We need to look at that very carefully. Jesus said this. Now, Jeremy read this last week, but we're going we're gonna to pick it back up. What we're going to talk about today is actually in the middle of what Jeremy talked about last week. So he, he kind of did a, it's like a sandwich deal, okay? He did the bread, and we're going to do the meat in the middle to this week. Um, but he covered this, so we're going we're gonna to recap this, this part. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. On the example of prayer, specifically. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
Now, Jesus is, is using exaggerated speech here. He does it all the time. He's not saying that you should never pray in public. That's not what he's saying because he, in fact, prayed in public. So he's not saying that we shouldn't do that. What he's saying essentially is that we need to be careful of egotistical prayers, prayers that are centered on ourselves and are designed to build ourselves up or lift ourselves up. So the idea is we should be praying the same way in private as we do in public if we pray in public, that they should be the same, that our prayers in public should be focused on God and not on what other people think about us, which, you know, I think we all say, well, yeah, obviously. But there's a real temptation if you're praying in public to try and impress the people around you. And, boy, I've seen this and done this. I've, I've had times where I was so insecure about the way I prayed in front of groups, and there were people that I thought were great prayers in the group, and so I just didn't want to do it because I didn't think that my prayer was going to stack up to their prayer. You know, we need to be very careful about that kind of mentality. I remember going to a um, prayer gathering and uh, it was a community prayer gathering, and they invited a bunch of pastors to come, and uh, each of the pastors was going to be praying about a specific thing in the community. So one person was going to, they asked me to come pray for families. Go figure. Uh, so they asked me to come and pray for families, because it's kind of our deal, and they had someone praying uh, over, like, crime. They had someone praying over the schools. They had someone praying over the local government. You know, everybody had their peace. And so I'm just thinking it's like this informal thing, you know, we're going to show up, we're going to pray, and, you know, nothing really to it. And we get there, and the first guy gets up to pray, and he pulls out his notes. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I don't have any notes. I didn't realize this was a note thing, you know, like not a, a, you know, no problem with scripting out a prayer or whatever. That's actually a really beautiful thing to do. But I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can stack up to this. And, uh, and he started praying, and his prayer was so, like, deep. Like, lots of theological concepts, and, and, like, he was almost like he was teaching in the prayer. And I started getting very overwhelmed by it. And also thinking, looking around the room, not that I was looking during prayer. You're always supposed to keep your eyes closed, right? Um, it's not true, but <laughs> anyway, but I was, I'm looking around the room, and uh, I'm thinking, I don't know if half the people in here are getting this or agree with it, by the way, because he was getting into, like, doctrine and all kinds of stuff in his prayer, and it was like, and it was all prepared, and I was just, it started making me feel very uncomfortable, it made me feel very uncomfortable, and I didn't quite know why, and then uh, the next pastor got up to pray, and he also pulled out his notes, though I don't think he actually followed any of them. Uh, he, he got up to pray, and he was praying this really, like, beautiful, flowery, I don't know, I don't know another way to say it, kind of ornate spiritual prayer, lots of analogies and things, calling back to things in Scripture. And, I mean, he was calling down manna from heaven, and I was like, I don't I don't even, why, why are we doing, I don't know why we're doing, like, I didn't know there was a lunch, you know, he's calling down manna from heaven, and I didn't quite know what was going on, and then he's, he called down so much manna, I thought I should have brought my umbrella, you know, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but he was, he, and he went on and on and on, had this long prayer with all of this stuff in it, and I, and I still was sitting there feeling so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable, and not quite knowing why, And then I got up to pray and sort of embarrassingly stumbled up to the podium without any notes and just sort of said and spoke the way I normally spoke or normally pray and and however I felt like the Spirit was leading me to pray. And then thankfully, the guy who came after me went up and did basically the same thing as me, so that made me feel a little bit better about myself. But 
I was so I was so uncomfortable with the first two prayers, and I couldn't understand why. I couldn't understand why they were so unsettling to me. I felt like I shouldn't I shouldn't feel that way about them, you know, whatever. And I went out and I got in the car and I just took a second to pray because I wanted to understand why I was feeling the way I was about what had just happened. And so I took a second to pray and this was these were the words that came to me. It was the only way I knew how to describe it in the moment. I felt like what I had just experienced was a spiritual beauty pageant. Like, like they were just getting out there and parading in front of everybody to impress everybody with how intelligent they were or how much, how many, the words that they knew or the, the analogies they could make or whatever. And it just felt creepy. It felt creepy to me. And I don't know. I don't know their hearts. All I can, all I can do is assess how I felt about it. And I thought, well, maybe I won Miss Congeniality. You know, I don't, I don't know. But, I, but after that, I was like, probably not. Yeah, that's probably not, probably not my award in, in general. Yeah. Um, but I just remember feeling like I don't think I want to do that or something like that again, um, unless I know the hearts of the people that are going to be there. Um, and so I don't say that to be judgmental. I only say that because in my experience, I've seen time and time again, people use a spiritual platform as their own. And it should make us feel very uncomfortable when we see that and when we experience it as a reminder to us not to do the same thing. That who we are in private should be the same as who we are in public. The way we pray when we're alone in our closet should be the same way we pray when we're in front of people. Not trying to impress them, not trying to gain anything for ourselves. Only as we are in private trying to point ourselves to God, just us and him, nobody else watching should be the same as us and God and trying to point others to him when we're praying in public. Same thing for when we're doing good deeds. It's okay if people recognize you for doing good deeds. Just make sure that you're not receiving the honor or you don't want the honor and glory for that. Same thing when you're fasting or doing anything spiritual. Make sure it's pointing in the right direction. All right? So then he goes on in verse 7, giving another example and says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. So literally, he says, don't babble on. <laughs> don't babble on like the heathens. So I, guess the heathen, I guess their gods are hard of hearing. They needed to say it over and over and over and over and over again for their God to hear them or take them seriously or whatever it was. And he's saying, you don't have to do that with God. God is not looking for volume in our prayers, not in either sense of the word. He's not looking for us to be... Uh, loud in front of other people, and he's not looking for us to have long, uh, ornate, elaborate, repetitive prayers. We don't need that. He says in verse 8, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You know, I've often wondered, um, if God already knows all of the things I need, what's the point of praying? <laughs> because praying is not... Uh, it's not bringing God into the loop on your day. <laughs> you sit down to pray, and you're like, God, let me let you know what happened today. Because, well, God, listen, God, it's not an update. It's not a memo, okay, that we're sending to God. That's not what prayer is, all right? He, he already knows. So then why would I pray? We pray because prayer is an act of worship. It's an act of devotion and love. 
to sit down with God and to tell him what's happening. He already knows, but to express it to him is to express our trust for him in it. To thank him for things he already knows we're thankful for, sure. But to say it is different. You know, we, we, it's a constant ongoing relationship that we have for him. And Jesus isn't saying that we can't pray in public, which he did. He's not saying that we can't pray for a long time. Jesus often prayed all night long, so it's not a problem with long prayers. And he's not saying that we can't repeat ourselves either, by the way, in prayer. Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew records that he says, when he says, if it's your will, take this cup from me, Matthew records that he prays that same prayer three separate times. So Jesus repeated that prayer three times. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a pattern of threes in Scripture, and so it fits into that pattern somewhere. But uh, he repeated himself, so it's not the problem. The problem is our heart when it comes to worship or when it comes to prayer. Whether we're focused on him, whether we trust him, whether we're doing it for his glory or for our own. So we have to be careful. And so the question is, the deeper thing, the thing in our hearts is, why am I praying? Why am I praying? Is it to try and get something out of God? Is it to try and get something for myself? Or am I praying as an act of worship to express my love and devotion and trust in God? They're very different. And so Jesus, to, he, they've seen the negative example. They've seen how the, the, the hypocrites pray. They've seen how the Pharisees pray. That's been their model. And Jesus says, don't pray like that. They've seen how the heathens pray. And he says, don't pray like that. He says, pray like this. And then he gives them a model prayer to pray or a model prayer to follow. And we call it the Lord's Prayer. But in reality, we should probably call it the disciples' prayer. Because he says, this is for us. This is how we are supposed to pray. And so I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we'll talk about the parts of it. And this prayer is short, and it's sweet, and it's to the point. All right, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a, it's a very short prayer. It's a very succinct prayer. Now, you're going to spend more time in your groups this week talking through each of these individual things, each of these individual lines and what they mean and which ones stand out to you. So I want you to be thinking about that. Um, but for now, let's just talk about each individual thing fairly quickly, okay? First, he says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Now, what he is not doing is he is not giving us a prayer that we are supposed to pray all the time. He's not saying, this is the prayer, always pray this prayer with these words. He's not doing that. Nor is he saying that, Every time we pray, it has to include every single one of these elements. What he's trying to do is he's trying to give them a model, a form, themes, the kinds of things that they should be praying for, and not just the kinds of things, but the way they should be praying about those kinds of things. So this is, this is something to keep us in the, in the guardrails, so to speak, to make sure that our prayers are honoring to God, and they aren't self-serving, they aren't self-glorifying, they aren't vain uh, repetitions. All right, so th- this is not a prescription, 
Although it's fine if we want to pray this prayer word for word or follow the forms. And we're going to do a little bit of that in your groups this week too, which will be pretty cool. All right. He says after that, he says, this is the way. This is how, this, pray this way. And then in the second part of verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's a kind of a, there's a dynamic happening here because he says our Father in heaven. Um, this is written originally in Greek. Jesus probably said what he said in Aramaic, um, and he probably used the word Abba here. And the word Abba is a personal, close connection with a father, not just a biological thing, not just a formal thing, but a very personal and close thing. And this is a new idea uh, that Jesus is driving home to his disciples, really recorded throughout the Gospel of Matthew, the idea of them looking at God as their father in that way. But then he tags on to that. It's not just that. It's almost like saying daddy or papa or something like that. It's not just that. He also adds, hallowed be your name. That is his name, his reputation, who he is, his renown, all of that. So it's a mixture of personal and submissive. So it's the, the closeness and the love of God, but also tagged with the power of, the God, power of God. If, if you're missing either one of those pieces, you'll be out of balance. So there's, there's a balance in that. And again, you can talk about that more in groups this week if you want to. Um, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayers that honor God should look forward to what's coming, look forward to the kingdom that's coming. Uh, Jesus was uh, announcing the kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand, and Christ was here. And one day Christ will return and establish his kingdom here, and we're looking forward to that. And in the meantime, we are present citizens of a future kingdom. And so in the meantime, we live as if we were in the kingdom, even though we are not in the kingdom, okay? So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, so it is future and it is present, this statement right here. We're supposed to be looking forward, but also looking at today, all right? And then verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. This is asking God for our basic needs, Base just what we need. And from this prayer, one of the things that I've learned to pray and I often do is, God, give me everything that you need for me to have in order to do what you want me to do. And that's it. No more, no less. Just whatever you need me to have in order to do what you want me to do. It's a prayer for our basic needs. A humble request. Not all of our wants and every, you know, shiny thing, everything we saw an ad for on Instagram. You know, it's like that's not what we're praying for. Just our basic needs. He says, verse 12, and forgive us our debts, transgressions or sins, the debt that comes because of sin. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's a, there's a relationship happening here, and Jesus talks about this often, um, that when we have, a, and we talk about it often also as a result, uh, when we have a problem with someone else that we're unwilling to resolve, then we have a problem with God that is unresolved. They go hand in hand. And so if we want to experience the forgiveness of God now, and we're not talking about eternal salvation, that's different. If we want to experience forgiveness and closeness and relationship with God now, then we have to be willing to forgive others. They go together. All right, verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, now, this can be a little bit tricky because we need to understand that God tempts no one. 
James says that very specifically in, in his uh, epistle. God doesn't tempt us, and he's not leading us into temptation. The idea here is help us to avoid it. Keep us away from it. Don't let us walk into temptation, because that's where our heart goes on its own. <laughs> so we need God's guidance and uh, adjustment in order to not walk into temptation. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a prayer of purity and holiness. It's a commitment to him that we want to avoid sin at all costs and all ways in our life. And then verse 13, uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I feel in, in the interest of transparency, we need to say that that part called the doxology, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen, it's not actually in the earliest manuscripts that we have. So we are not 100% sure Jesus actually said it. Um, it was, it looks like it might've been added later, but it might've been added because Jesus said it and it wasn't recorded in the first manuscripts. Okay. Anyway, but it doesn't change the meaning of this in any way. We just aren't sure whether Jesus actually said that piece or not. Now that's going through each of the pieces and we could, here's the thing. We could spend a lot more time on every single one of those things. And you will spend a little bit more time in groups this week on each of those things. All right. We could analyze this thing to death. And we could pick apart all the little pieces in every single word that Jesus said. And in doing so, we could easily miss the point of why he said it. <laughs> we could strip it of its soul by digging into every little detail and thing. And uh, Jeremy made a really great point last week. Um, he said, you know, they, you got all these people. Jesus has all these people. And this Sermon on the Mount, if you just read it from start to finish, makes, takes like 13 minutes. 12, 13 minutes or something, you know? And we take it and we spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks pulling it apart and looking at every single thing. And the people that were actually sitting there, they were getting it like drinking out of a water hydrant, fire hydrant? Yeah, that's it. Drinking out of a fire hydrant. You know, they didn't get to take little sips. And I almost, I almost wonder if the people that were sitting when he finally finished the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, somebody was like, wait, did anybody write that down? <laughs> Looked at the guy next to you, and he's like, "I can't read," <laughs> you know, like so. <laughs> and thankfully, it was it was written down, it was recorded for us. But you know, they didn't have that time. They were hearing some. They were hearing a bigger picture of what Jesus was saying. They had to walk away with a more general idea than we have the luxury of picking apart and and looking at today. And so, what was Jesus really getting at? What was he really getting at? There's one piece that he goes a little more in depth on because I think it's because he knows it's the one of them that's a hang-up. And so um, in verse 14, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's that forgiveness piece we talked about. So he goes in a little more detail, partly, I think, because they might have gotten hung up on that one. But he has a bigger picture, a bigger thing that he is trying to, to say here. What is he saying? Pray in this way. What way? Selflessly. Selflessly. All of these prayers are focused on the glory of God above our own. We're to pray selflessly. This prayer is 100% focused on God and how we can honor him more not on how he can honor us more. And oftentimes, that's what our prayers become. Jesus modeled expressing love and respect for God in our prayers, adoration for him. 
in our prayers. He modeled looking forward to God's kingdom, not looking at our kingdom now in our prayers. He modeled asking for our basic needs and no more, only what we need in order to do what he wants us to do. No more and no less. He modeled committing ourselves to grace, experiencing and receiving the grace of God and giving and receiving grace with other people. And he modeled committing ourselves to purity in our prayers. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so our prayers should encompass those things. They should be done in the same spirit as those things are done. All of these things are for God's glory. They are worthwhile, they are powerful prayers, and they are all expressions of worship. Jesus came and he gave his life so that we could be in the kind of personal relationship with God where we could go to him and we could call him Abba, knowing that he is all-powerful at the same time. That we know that God loves us. He proved it in sending his son for us. Dying on the cross, Jesus in our place, paying for our sin, and rising again on the third day. And he allows us through that to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ and to enter into a relationship with him where we can go to him and we can pray. And we can speak to him. And we can hear from him. And he listens. And he speaks. And we have to be very careful that when we go to him in that way, that it's not for what we get out of him or what he can do for us, but for who he is and what we can do for him. Our prayers should be humble. And so what I want to do, we're going to sing a song here at the end um, that is about building our foundation on Jesus. But before we do that, we're going to pray. And I want to encourage you, I'm going to, I'm going to be praying out loud, but I want to encourage you to be praying with me. And all of our focus right now should be on him. All right? Only pay as much attention to the words that I'm saying as you need to in order to connect with him. All right? To affirm and to agree and, and believe. All right? Forget about lunch. Just for a minute. Okay? You can worry about that later. Lunch has enough problems of its own. You'll get there. All right? Focus completely on him. Completely on him. And if you're listening to what I'm saying and affirming what I'm saying, great. And if you're praying on your own, pray on your own. But use this as a time. Maybe there's something here you feel like you haven't been thanking him for or you haven't been asking him for or you've been a way that your prayers have been selfish and you want to start correction on that even now. Then do that during our time here as we're praying or even if you want to continue praying into the time when we're playing the song. That's fine too. All right. Allow... God to see the love and the respect you have for him as we pray, however you do it, all right? So let's pray. God, we uh, come to you with great love right now and thankfulness that we get to be called your child, that you would love us enough to send your son to die on the cross for us, Enduring the pain that he endured in our place. But showing power in the resurrection. So God, I pray that all of us would be sure today that we put our faith in Jesus for salvation and not in ourselves. Maybe someone today with us, you would move in their heart, God, and they would put their faith in Jesus for the first time today for salvation. 
And then God, as we walk with you, as we build our life on the foundation of your son, Jesus. We ask that you would help us assess. This is hard for us. It's hard for us to at times know whether what we're doing is truly for you or whether we're really doing it for ourselves. So help us to to answer that question, to look through the things that we're doing, the good that we're doing, the prayers that we're praying, the spiritual disciplines we're putting in place in our life. It's reading scripture or teaching or whatever, going to group, whatever it may be. And God, help us to see, to know whether that is coming from a place of humility and devotion to you or whether that's coming from a place of wanting to be seen or recognized or thought of a certain way or lifted up or appreciated or valued or whatever it may be. We want to do things with as as pure a heart as we can possibly do them. Help us specifically as we're thinking about our prayers, God, whether that's prayers in private when it's just us and you or whether that's prayers in front of the thousands of people, whatever it is for us, whenever it is. Help us to remember the things that you told us to pray about. Draw them to our attention, draw them to our heart. Keep us on track. Don't let us be tempted. Don't let us be be drawn into self-glory. Keep us humble, appreciative, submissive, loving, gracious, holy, so that our prayers and our relationship with you is truly honoring. And that that humility that we experience with you will flow into our relationships with other people and we'll carry that same kind of humility with them. God, above all else, I guess we just ask that you humble us. Not not in a demeaning way, of course, God, but in an empowering way to know that we're your children and that you love us that you want to walk with us and you want to lead us and you do care for us. You do provide for us. And so we looked at that today, God, in our prayers. Truly authentic and genuine in front of you, ourselves, honest. And so God, I ask that as we do that, that you help us continue to build on the strong foundation of Jesus who himself was humble and gracious and kind. That you can continue drawing us into greater and greater trust in you, in everything in our life. That you continue drawing us into deeper worship, more genuine expressions of love. That you free us from all of the selfish ambition that holds us back from experiencing the life and relationship you created us for. So God, I pray for myself and for every person who's joined us here today for church that you would show each of us what it means, what it means for us. Help us to analyze, help us to look deep within 
and to know what you're confirming in us and what you want to change as we continue to build our foundation on you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.